for another story with Jay. So today, I'm actually going to talk about something relatively delicate, but I definitely want to discuss it because there are some humorous points in the storyline, but not really. But this is actually pretty serious. And I'm just going to tell you guys about this one time that I thought I had a diamond, but I really had a cubic zirconia. So let's just get into the story, shall we? So around 2011, I met this woman and we became cool. Like it was just a casual little meeting in Panera and it was something like, I thought I had enough change and to cover, you know how it is whenever you get ready to pay for something and you thought, like, let's say it was like $22.33 or something like that. And you thought for sure that you had 33 cents on you because you didn't want to break another dollar. And it was a situation like that where I was just looking for the exact change. And I didn't have it, but she had it. And she was like, oh, um, you know, I got it. And I was like, oh, thanks, you know. So I'm not thinking nothing of it. I'm just like, whatever. And she was like, you want to sit with me? And I'm like, sure. And she seemed cool. And we, we just kind of talked from there. And, you know, like, we exchanged numbers. I didn't think of it like that because <laughs> uh, at the time, I really didn't think of much of anything. Um, I didn't really think of people uh, in a romantic sense really back then. I just was, like, minding my business because I was, like, a sophomore in college. I wasn't thinking about nothing. Um, and I really wasn't thinking about anything because I had just gotten out of a relationship and I was actually quite heartbroken. So I really was just out here in these streets singing in the rain. And I was so sad. And I was just like, oh, let it burn. But I digress. So she and I were cool for a while. And we would talk periodically. She did not live here. She actually lived in another state. And she was just passing through. And, and you know, that was that. So... Let's fast forward to December 2015. This is where the story gets kind of juicy, guys. So December 2015, it was actually right before Christmas. Um, I, I had a lot of errands to run or whatever. If anyone knew anything about my mother, you knew that she was always baking cakes. My mom pretty much ran like a pastry um, and baking business during the holidays. And she made quite a bit of money from doing so. But... The stickler to that was that I was her sous chef and I also was a delivery person. So I was always delivering cakes, pies, whatever during that time of the year. So she, um, the girl, she had posted something on Facebook and it was kind of like desperate. Not going to lie. It was like, do you even miss me or something like that? So I jokingly was like, of course I miss you whatever. And, um, she texted me right back and was like, oh my God, Jay, I haven't talked to you in forever. Well, that's not what she sounds like. That was rude. But the point is she hits me up, you know, and we start talking and that's when I start to realize, uh oh, this girl might like me. Now at the time I had not dated, um, for like two years. I, I, that was the last relationship I had had was about two years before that. And I was just kind of minding my business. So when she came along and she was like on a full court press, 
you know, trying to get my attention. I was just like, oh, I see. So she started saying, uh, I think at the time I actually had a crush. Oh, I definitely had a crush on one of one of my friends, actually. <laughs> I no longer have a crush on this friend. I mean, my friend's cool and all, but it's not like that anymore. But at the time, I definitely had a very hardcore crush on one of my friends. And um, I just wasn't thinking about anyone romantically. Like, I wasn't trying to pursue anyone. I was just minding my business. Like, that is what I do. I professionally mind my business. And this girl, she's just like, why are you wasting time liking her and trying to get her to notice you and stuff? Like, why don't you just, like, come home? That was her way of saying, you need to be with me because I like you and you need to see that. Like, you need to recognize what's happening here. And I was over here like, what? And she was like, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shut up. But regardless, we eventually started to talk more and more. And, you know, things were looking nice. And I was just like, okay, well, you know, she's a sweet girl. She likes me. You know, I've known her for a while now. You know, nothing wrong with that. But then things got weird. Let's talk about red flags, okay? So the first red flag was we had been talking for maybe like two weeks and her whole family already knew about me. Red flag number one. Red flag number two was that, oh, now actually, we we're just going to say this is red flag with, you know, an addendum. Basically, her coworkers and friends also knew about me. They knew my name. They knew what I looked like. I was just like, oh, wow, this is a bit much. Like, woo. And then um, somewhere in that two-week span, her mom, like, she went. To, she was around her mom, and her mom, like, snatched the phone and was just like, hi. You know, she just started talking to me, and I was just like, everything about this is strange. So... <clears throat> We dated for, we, we eventually started dating, but not really because I really, really wanted to. It was more like I felt bad. <laughs> like, like, this is terrible, guys. Like, please don't ever pity date anyone. But basically, she just liked me so much, and I felt really awkward. And I didn't know, at, like, I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings at the time. I just felt bad. So... You know, January comes around, and I can tell she's really, like, trying to get me to, you know, like, pop that question. Like, will you be my girl or whatever? And I was just like, eh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I really, I hadn't thought about it. Mm-mm. Well, February comes up. Her birthday's in February or whatever. Shh, don't tell nobody. Just in case y'all know who I'm talking about. <laughs> but nonetheless, um... February came up or whatever, and I could just tell she was just getting antsy. Like, when are you going to ask me to be your girl? Like, I've been talking to you every day. I'm here for you. And, um, you know, like, I'm ride or die. And so I finally just asked because I was like, why not? Um, sidebar, pretty much all my relationships have been accidents. Like, I won't say accidents, but I never see them coming. Like, they legit just happen. And I'm just like, wow, I'm in a whole relationship out here. Look at that. But nonetheless, um, so we got in a relationship in February. And I would have preferred to have taken things a lot slower because it really does take me an eternity to date someone. 
But I was like, you know what? Whatever. Here we are. Hmm. So we started dating and my God, um, I started to feel this like this, this feeling of impending doom. Um, I would say like two weeks in, like, no, no. And it just, it was not just my fear of commitment. <laughs> it was so much more than that. It was like a, something is gonna, something's gonna happen. This relationship is going to implode. Something's going to happen. And I was just like, no, mm-mm, gotta get out of here. Mm-mm. And all the while, my, at the time, my mother was really, really sick. She was in the hospital at the time for like a whole month at one point in time. Um, pretty much from the end of February to like through most of March, my mother was in the hospital, um, incoherent for a lot of it, you know, so I had to kind of make all the decisions and just be there and, and constantly by her side so that I could speak for her and whatnot. So my, my, my ex-girlfriend was, you know, she was there for me. She was very supportive, but she was also very selfish in a lot of ways because, she would say things like, oh, you're at the hospital again, and like, why can't we do this, or why can't we do that, and I'd be like, because my mother is in the hospital, what, like, what, (laughs) I'm not going to do that today, because I have to, you know, like, I'm gonna go to the hospital, I don't know why you would think that I wouldn't be here, and so, fast forward, through the relationship, my mom eventually gets out of the hospital, and my responsibilities for her have now changed. Uh, I, she was she had started um, going to dialysis and uh, all this different stuff, so my life had really changed a lot, and I was trying to adjust. And my girlfriend at the time was just not being very supportive. She was just like being selfish, like why, you know, like I don't really get to spend any time with you, and da 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 da. And granted, if you've never been a caregiver, you know, you don't understand how it works. You just don't have time, really, to entertain too much else. I mean, you're you're pretty much caregiving, trying to sustain yourself financially and all that good stuff. And trying to find um, time to have, like, mental... Uh, to have, you know, mental peace for yourself. So, really, relationships don't really fall into the category unless you have someone that's very very understanding so that feeling of impending doom came back and I was just like okay she's fun or whatever but something's just not right here like I just don't feel good about this relationship I'm very busy and I would rather just call it quits now before it gets too deep me thinking oh we haven't been dating that long it we've only been dating for about a solid month she should be fine Wrong, wrong, wrong. (laughs) So wrong. (laughs) I let her know, you know, like we talked and I basically told her I just didn't think that this was going to work because I I couldn't devote as much energy towards her as she required. And that was the other thing. She was very emotional and she cried a lot and she would cry about anything. And she was, she just, she needed a lot of emotional support and it was just more than I could give her at the time because I was already bogged down with my own responsibilities and so I told her you know I really think that you should look into therapy and that way you know you know you can kind of start getting yourself together 
with that. And then maybe we can talk about a relationship. But deep down in my heart, I knew I was done. I was I was so done. So here's where things get really spicy. The entire time we were broken up, which we were broken up for like from March until October. So we were broken up for a very long time. But during this time, we would still talk to each other. Like I would still check on her. We just weren't dating. And um, at one point in time, I remember in the summer, she, I guess she felt like, okay, like I'm really losing her. Like, I don't, I don't have this advantage anymore and she's not going to come back to me. So what she did was, okay, pause. I had to fly to Chicago to do some things. Um, and while I was there, you know, I was like, well, if you want to meet up with me there, we can, you know, I felt like maybe just kind of talking in person again would kind of change some things because our relationship was primarily long distance. So when I was like, okay, well, I got to fly to Chicago. And if you want to link up with me there, we can, but if you, if you can't, it's totally okay. Like I'm, I'm not worried about it. Cause I knew that I had a lot to do while I was there. So while I was there, she linked up with me and we actually had a very good time. You know, after I got done with my meetings and, and, um, everything that I had to do, um, we kind of went around the city, you know, we got lunch, we did some sightseeing, we talked about things in person and I let her know, like, you know, it's not that I don't like you. It's just that I feel like you need more, um, she needed more emotional support and it was too much emotional support. Like no regular person could give her what she wanted. She really did need therapy because she had a lot of unresolved trauma and things going on and from her past that I couldn't help her unpack. She needed actual professional help with it. And so she seemed to understand that or whatever, but you could also tell she was just clinging to me for dear life. Like you could just see it all over her face. It wasn't just, oh, I'm going to miss you. It was like, oh my God, I need you so bad. And I was just like, oh, I don't like to be needed. Mm -mm. I don't, I don't like that. So I went back home and I guess she thought like, oh, since we saw each other again, things are going to be better. And I was still on the same wavelength of, you know, therapy. It's a great thing. You should get it. (laughs) And she didn't like that. She didn't like that I was resistant towards her advances. And she started doing extreme things. Like on one one particular night, she went out with one of her male coworkers and she FaceTimed me and because she wanted me to see that she was fine and she was okay and she was like making out with him on FaceTime and I was like well gonna go ahead and hang up because that's rude (laughs) and so then the next thing she did I guess she felt like that wasn't good enough that didn't work let me try something more extreme so this is why I'm naming the podcast what I named it um Because she did something that really just struck all me, my friends. We were just like, what? And it almost worked. It almost did. What she did was she linked up with this guy that she claimed that she had known for a while. um, And that was a friend of uh, one of her other friends. But the reality was it was just a random guy that she met a week before. 
and she had talked to a little bit online, but not anything serious. And so the next thing she did was she went to his house at like six o'clock in the morning to quote unquote hang out. And I was confused because I was like, who goes to somebody's house at six o'clock in the morning to hang out? Like, that is so weird. And she was like, oh, well, he said that's the only time that he really has because he works night shifts. And I was like, but if he works night shifts, isn't he just getting off at like six or seven? Like, wouldn't he be going to sleep? And so she was like, well, yeah, I was tired too. So I just went over there. And I was like, you got out of your bed at six o'clock in the morning to go to someone else's house to go to sleep that you don't know. Like there were so many things that were just strange about that. So I didn't say nothing. Hey, she wasn't my girlfriend. (laughs) So she went over there and to sleep, quote unquote. And then she came back home and she calls me and she's hysterical. And she's just like, well, no, no, no. No, no, no. Before she gets hysterical, she's actually very calm and collected. And she's just like, oh, what are you doing? And how are you? And blah, blah, blah. And she just seemed cool. And she was like, I think I might not go to work today. I might just take off today. And I'm like, okay. And so I'm trying to get things situated with my mother at the time. Because I don't know if you guys know, but my my life really did revolve around taking care of my mom. (laughs) Like at the time. So... I didn't have, like, I just didn't have a lot of free time to be just talking about anything. So when she was like, oh, and I might need to go to the hospital. And I was like, oh, well, why do you need to go to the hospital? And she was like, I might need to get a rape kit done. And I was like, who said, like, how do you casually say I might need to go to the hospital to get a rape kit done? And I was like, this is bananas. So next thing you know... She goes to the hospital, gets this rape kit done, but it doesn't show any signs of non-consensual sex. Like, there's no, like, bruising or uh, scraping or anything that looked like, you know, it was dis- caused any kind of discomfort at the time. So, um, next thing you know, she presses charges on this man saying that he sexually assaulted her. And I was like, What? And, like, how did you just not say that? And what was really interesting about it was that she had tried to get me to, like, basically, she was trying to come over to do things, basically. Like, she wanted me, she wanted, she she wanted me. We'll just say it like that. So, I was confused because if that happened to you that morning, why would you be trying to get with me? or whatever that's weird and then also we're not together I don't I don't want you like and then also what (laughs) it's just a lot of stuff going on so she she does this she actually presses charges and next thing you know they start this investigation on this man and the man is like you know and also her father was on the police force And, of course, he's just like, what? This happened to you? So, you know, now they're really motivated to, like, get this guy. So they perform an investigation, calling his job and stuff like that. The man ends up getting fired from his job um, based off of, you know, hearsay, basically. And he's like, he calls her. And it's a monitored call. Like, the police are monitoring this call and everything. And... 
he is bawling his eyes out. He was just like, why are you saying that I raped you? Why are you saying this? You know, like you wanted it. You said you did. And it was consensual. And we did it more than one time. And I was like, oh, (laughs) my goodness. Okay. And so, you know, at the time, I really wanted to believe that no one would lie on another person to that extent, especially someone they don't even know. I was really genuinely hoping that she wouldn't just lie and be like, yeah, he raped me, you know. And she did. Like, she just kept saying, like, oh, you did. You did it. And, and but when she told me the story, her story changed, like, five or six times. And it made me so uncomfortable because I was like, oh, my goodness. Because at some, like, the first couple of stories, they, they kind of went together. Not really, but... They went together well enough that I was like, okay, maybe she's telling the truth. But then, oh, but then her stories kept getting more and more different. And like, it went from, oh, I fell asleep and on the couch to, oh, I fell asleep in the bed. And then, oh, I woke up and he was like entering me to, oh, I woke up and he was like pushing my head towards his penis. And it was, it was just a lot of different things. Like, it was just so different every time. It was wildly different that at one point I just sat her down and said, look, your stories, they don't line up. I was like, they keep changing over and over. And I was like, I really think you just went over there to have sex with this man, hoping that I would get jealous and take you back. And she was like, I would never do that. I would never do that. And she was like, why, why can't I remember? She was so good at playing victim guys. Oh my God. Wow. It got to the point where I almost was just scared because I felt like this girl depended on me to the point that if I wasn't with her, she would take her life. That's really how I felt or that's how she made it seem. And so when I said we were broken up from March to October, we ended up back together in October purely because I felt pressured to be with her. I felt like, you know, it's, it's not an excuse, but I definitely felt like I had to make things okay because she was so unstable. Like, and it seemed like that I was the only thing that was keeping her like on an even kill, if you will. And in October, after we got back together, I recall talking to her and this is after the guy, you know, has like cried to her and begged her to tell the truth because he's like, what about my kids? He was like, I've never been arrested. I've never been in trouble. I've never done anything like this. And the man was a little older. He was like 35 or something like that. Um, we're, we're in our twenties. So, you know, he had kids that were probably about 10 or something like that. And it really was affecting him and his income and everything. He was like, you need to tell them the truth. And I, that just kind of like, echoed in my head for a while because I really felt like he was telling the truth and I didn't believe her I didn't trust her because she had this very dark um blank stare if you will um kind of like sociopaths and psychopaths have that blank stare like when you look into their eyes there's just nothing there um she had that look and I recall her looking at me like that in October And I asked her why she was doing so much during the summer. Like, why was she doing the most, it felt like, 
trying to to get my attention or trying to make me feel a certain type of way. And she looked at me with the blankest look in her eye and she said, I had to do what I had to do to get you back. And that was the moment that I knew that she lied on that man. I broke up with her immediately. We um we never got back together. Um, her life spiraled out of control. She did all kinds of weird stuff, but we do not communicate now. I mean, she tried to, she called me uh, a couple weeks ago in the middle of her breakup with her guy. Um, but we do not talk. She's blocked on social media and I just, I can't believe it, you know? And for me, it's just really hard whenever I, it's just really hard to deal with people like that. You know, there was another instance when I was in college where, um, a Caucasian girl told us a similar story about this guy forcing himself on her, but then the story kept changing and it kept changing. And, um, eventually she just didn't seem to be too phased about him being around her or in the same vicinity with her. Um, but she really did make up a nice little story to like get out of the dorm that she was living in. And she got out of doing a lot of her assignments at school that year because she claimed that she was assaulted and all this kind of stuff. And it really, um, it really bothered me because I don't think that he did it just because her story changed so much. And I know that they say that sometimes sexual assault victims, their stories can change because they get like they lose. They don't remember exactly what happened. Like they have brain fog or something because it can be so traumatic. But for me, there's trauma and then there's just trying to get out of being, you know, trying to get out of something or or even worse, being sociopathic and trying to get your way. So basically, that's how I felt about the the young white girl when we were in college, because like I said, her story changed so many times and she was telling us on her own free will. Nobody was asking her to tell a story. It was just changing when she just felt like telling it. And that was the same with my ex. It just kept changing, even though she would, she would bring it up on her own accord and it would just keep changing and keep changing and Finally, I just got to this point where I was like, you know, it's really hard for people to even believe that this happens to women sometimes because of people like you. When I was 20, when I was 19 years old, I recall being in a situation with a man who I had known all my life and I trusted and I changed my mind before anything happened. And I said no. And I told him I didn't want it. And I told him I wasn't ready. And he did it anyway. My story has not changed. Not once. I very much remember it. It was very traumatic. But, and I don't have anything to do with him. I don't call him. I don't message him. I haven't heard from him in a long time. And uh, he did try to reach out to me a few times after that. He sent me threatening messages like we have unfinished business. So for me, it's just really difficult to understand why anyone would lie about something like that. 
if anything, if you do get brain fog or if you do experience something like this, and I don't wish that anyone ever would, I would hope that you would write down as much of whatever happened as you can remember as soon as it happens. Because when the story changes, it's hard to believe you. It's hard to believe that you're not being fake. Anyway, thanks for listening.